0: Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation.
1: Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast. We are excited to have Michael and Lauren McAfee, and they wrote a great book called Not What You Think, Why the Bible Might Be Nothing You Expect, Yet Everything We Need. So... Rob and I are Bible nerds. We like the Bible. Rob, you like the Bible?
0: It's all right. It's all right. It does some good stuff.
1: (laughs) So why the title, Not What You Think? Well, we
2: found a lot of writing the book for us came uh, as an overflow of an experience of being a millennial and simultaneously feeling like uh, we had a conversations with other millennials like us that were engaging with the Bible, that loved the scriptures, um, that would probably identify as Christian uh, proudly. And yet uh, there was a feeling of being misunderstood in our own culture and among our own generation. And when we talked to millennials that didn't engage with the Bible, that didn't like reading it, we found that it was oftentimes the reason they walked away from the Bible had very little do with the actual words on the page it had to do with a bad experience they had or a misperception that they had about the book and so we began realizing well the 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 reason people are walking away from this book that uh claims to be the word of god the power to change lives has nothing to do with what it actually says they haven't read it for themselves and so could we write a book that helps kind of give uh, a defense for why we have found the bible to be worthwhile And at least encourage people that we're not trying to force you to see what we've seen in the Bible, but we just kind of invite you to come and see uh, it for yourself.
0: That's good. Um, I mean, I like this this word you said, misconceptions. And I think, you know, certainly in in my role here, I mean, I have a lot of conversations with college students and uh, those misconceptions are numerous. I mean, what are some of the key themes that you guys have have found in, in kind of your journey in writing this book that are some of those misconceptions?
3: Yeah, we have a whole section in the book where we, we talk about some of the misperceptions, but we found that people often think that the Bible um, actually promotes things that they disagree with, but it's actually just a misperception. So some of those being that the Bible supports slavery or is oppressive to women or doesn't care about uh, the poor or um, um, immigrants or issues that they see, um, that they have strong opinions on. And actually the Bible has something uh, to say about the things that they do care about. And, and it's not what they, not what they think. Uh, so kind of going back to that title. And so we try and show them um, how context is important in helping to um, understand what the scripture is teaching and, and how often people have just taken a verse out of context and, and not actually had kind of the fuller context to give the the meaning of it. And so we try and, um, give a little bit of clarity there, but also to so to not only dispel some of their misperceptions about the Bible being perhaps oppressive to people groups, and um, show you know actually m- m- people have misused the Bible um, in that. Um, but we also try and show them that the Bible does care about issues that they care about. So the our generation is very passionate about different social justice issues, and um the Bible speaks a lot about. Um, caring for others and, and serving others, doing to others what you have them to do to you. And so we try to also show them the positive side of kind of the, the misperceptions that they've had.
1: That's good. It, research and you you outlined this in the book and the Barner group and others have said it that this millennial generation and now the younger generation, Gen Z, is probably the most biblically illiterate generation um, that's out there. And and I heard somebody else say this, I don't remember, but it's biblically unaware. So not even that they had don't read the Bible, they've not even heard the stories. Why do you right. think that is? Why do you think they're so missing or, or not even heard the stories from the Bible?
2: Yeah, yeah um th- there's a lot of potential factors. I mean, and and some of them um some good, some just different um th- the Bible was at one point taught in public schools. So I'm not even trying to advocate or say it should be, but th- that just gives like a basic you know, uh, understanding of the Bible. And so, uh, ironically, one of the things at the Museum of the Bible, where I work full-time, we talk about is uh, Richard Dawkins, who's a renowned atheist, says that uh, that the we should teach the Bibles in school based on its literary merit alone. And basically, what he's saying is exactly what you're getting at, that if you're going to be a a thinking person in Western society, you have to know basic stories like the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son or otherwise when someone says that uh, you're going to be lost you know my cup runneth over is that a good thing or a bad thing you know well you need to have a basic understanding of the Bible to be able to uh, engage in a lot of just business talk right just normal vernacular in our culture and so uh, so there's an appeal there and uh, there's a that also, though, presents us, we, we do have millennials and Gen Z are the most biblically illiterate generation, um, not only today, but in American history, in recorded American history that we know of. And um, and I think that part of what has really defined our generation that we talk about and not what you think is coming to the age at the dawn of the internet has really shaped the way that we not only think about big questions and big things like faith and Christianity and God, but also the way that we connect with each other. And so um, I grew up in Oklahoma City, the same as my grandfather grew up in Oklahoma City. But when he grew up in Oklahoma City in the 1930s and 40s, uh, he only interacted, only heard, for the most part, ideas of others that were in his kind of bubble in Oklahoma City. Well, now you can live in a mid-major city like OKC And yet you have, with the internet, ideas from all over, uh, information that's available at your fingertips at any moment that changes the way that we interact with ideas and information so that we're not consuming as much uh, Bible, but we're consuming a lot of information, and the Bible can almost get lost in the noise.
1: So, yeah, I mean, so the noise you talk about, and it seems to be—we talked we, earlier on a podcast, we were talking about social media with one of our yeah. other guests, and it's a very noisy space that these young adults, millennials, Gen Zs operate in. What can the, we do to break the noise and make the Bible—it's completely accessible, you version, in other ways. How can we make it almost enticing or something that they want to pick up?
3: One of the things we do and Not What You Think is try to show the incredible impact of the Bible and, and the significance that it's had um, in, in people's lives, even in ways they don't realize. So the impact of the Bible, there's, there's an impact floor at Museum of the Bible as well. And so we've kind of highlighted some of the areas that are also highlighted in the museum, but we've kind of taken a, a kind of gl- glimpse of that in our book to try and show, you know, this is a book. The Bible is a book that has uh, influenced and impacted people for thousands of years, and it is still the most impactful book uh, today, Uh, still the most read book today. So that's an incredible history. Uh, And then there's also the layer of its incredible diversity in the terms of of where this book is read. This book is the most widely read book. You can find it in um, all different cultures. Every race has uh, read this book and is reading this book today, and has found it to be truth and a source of um, of good news to them. And you go all over the world, and you'll find people that are practicing uh, a faith based on scripture. So it's an it's an incredibly powerful book, and to be ignorant of its message and actually knowing what it teaches uh, is a great loss. And so. Our generation, you know, with all the distractions in social media, we're very used to kind of you know everything being new and like, what's the latest version of you know whatever and um, the you know the next big platform. But there is something that I think we our generation does see in the value of something that has longevity, and so to see the ancientness of this book and the timelessness of it that is still impacting a modern world gives it something that Um, so many of the other things vying for our um, attention can't give that, you know, social media can't give. And so there's a depth there that I think our generation longs for and and sees value in.
2: And we also, I, I would add the, one of the things that we're wanting to do in the book is to identify and affirm that we have an aversion to being labeled and judged before kind of given a chance to represent ourselves. So millennials are, are, Are seen poorly by older generations that kind of look down on us. I like to say uh, we're not making, we're not living any differently than other generations did when they were in our life stage. We're just making the same mistakes louder because of social media, because of that. And so with that, there's a an aversion to say, well, get to know me before you make a judgment on what type of person I am. And we try to say we love that and we think that's right. You need to do the same for the Bible. You need to get to know the Bible for yourself before making a judgment on what it is or isn't before giving it its fair chance to speak.
0: You know, in the uh, spirit of labels, I think you guys did a really good job of laying out sort of three camps um, of of types of millennials, right? So you got Bible readers, Bible open, and Bible closed. Um, So kind of help us understand what these, what these different groups are and how they're responding to it.
2: Yeah. So a lot of, not what you think it combined our experience with a lot of research and so barna pew others they have different categories that they kind of put people into and so depending on what study you're looking at you see different categories but we wanted to both as we were thinking through speak to um both the minority of people that are in our generation that make up probably about less than 15 20 maybe is kind of the range that are reading the bible regularly So those are Bible readers, right? You're regularly reading the Bible. You have a high view of scripture. uh, It's impacting the way you live. That's a small subset. It's also a small subset that are completely closed to the book. And so there is about 20% uh, that are just shut off to the book altogether and not interested in engaging with it. And um, so we kind of, the appeal there is just simply, hey, will you consider being open even, you know, but the vast majority, I mean, over 60% of our generation, uh, is open to the Bible, but not regularly reading it, not engaging with it, a lot of them just don't even think about it. And so that's really in a lot of ways who we were trying to target to um, was not only to be able to speak to them, but we, we wanted to write really in many ways towards that audience for the purpose of helping pastors and parents uh, that are wrestling with how to speak uh, to their child. I mean, again, going back to the example, my grandfather, Uh, His grandfather also grew up in Oklahoma, and the world didn't change that much relative to how much it's changed from me to his generation. It's a completely different world. And so there's a cultural language gap that we were trying to help bridge so that pastors and parents could say, hey, this is how I need to address the uh, concerns and questions that my child or congregate
0: yeah, That's good.
1: what I what I loved about the book Rob was the the conversational tone that Michael and Lauren took with their generation. Um, I grew up in church, and and Michael spoke of his grandparents. the the stance at my grandma's house was because the Bible said so. Like that was grandma's defense of anything. Probably the spankings I was getting. The Bible says so. It was really kind of what was happening. So in a generation, especially millennials and Gen Z that are highly relational that, that want to engage relationally, how can we integrate and weave the Bible into some of that relational conversation we have?
3: Yeah, it, it's really important, the relational aspect for this generation. And so we we hope that our book will help people as they have conversations with either if, if they're... If I'm someone that is Bible engaged, help me think about my non-Bible engaged friend and having conversations with them, but also generations that are older um, older than us who are looking at millennials and Gen Z and saying, you know, they're concerned, they're wanting to have conversations with us about the Bible. And that's going to take, we think, uh, really honest and um, humble relational conversations in talking about the Bible and, um, and really discipleship, just being, being willing to kind of walk alongside um, others and listen, uh, listen really well. I think that that's an important part of it. Um, and and then being able to kind of direct the conversation based on kind of what it is that's causing someone to be disengaged with the Bible. Um, for a lot of people, it's because of hurts. And so that takes, um, you know, time to be able to just listen well and empathize and Um, not dismiss their really, their difficult experience and and have empathy there and apologize for the way that others have hurt them. But then also to when the time is right, kind of redirect and and say, you know, the Bible has been misused by people that have caused hurts. Yes. And I hate that. And and so I, you know, I'm not discounting your experience and that that is uh, a hurtful experience you had, but you know, I don't want you to miss out on the beauty of the message of the Bible because the way someone else has wrongly uh, applied it. So I think that takes it takes patience and, and a good listening ear and empathy and um, also being willing to get to the heart of the message of Scripture and, and being clear about it and, and showing them the beauty of the good news.
0: That's good. And I, I, speaking of experience, I mean— we definitely live in a generation where experiencing the gospel is is super critical. I, even this morning, I read in First Thessalonians that Paul he not only shared the gospel, but he shared his life. Right, so the two go in tandem, and I think um, you know, kind of what you guys are talking about is a more experiential gospel conversation with with the Bible, and so um how do we begin to build those bridges how do we begin to have those conversations or create spaces to experience the bible not just read it as an academic sort of exercise or a cultural sort of response
2: yeah i I think that there are um there's some unique ways and especially with my encouragement would be to someone that's wanting to help kind of engage millennials with the Bible and, um, is to kind of begin with, uh, you've seen Lauren did this earlier, uh, begin with things that would surprise them that would kind of upset their current view of the Bible. And, uh, that way to help them see, oh, well, maybe, maybe I have the wrong view of scripture and that's why it hasn't worked. I mean, the same way that I have conversations with millennials and Gen Z all the time that have, um, just kind of said, yeah, I tried Christianity, it didn't work for me. And I wanna say, well, tell me about the Christianity that didn't work for you, because I'm sure it probably didn't work for me either, you know, that uh, you may not have experienced the real thing, and that's why it didn't work. And so the problem wasn't with, uh, the problem was you went to a, a faulty uh, faith, not that you um, experienced Jesus, and he didn't uh, uh, just, uh, you didn't connect with God. And so, when it comes to the Bible, like there are three ways that we address in one of our chapters of the ways that uh, millennials mislabel the Bible. And so, the biggest one is uh, the it, it, biggest problem is what it is. So, if you look at people who this is all generations that are regularly reading the Bible, why do you read the Bible? Number one answer far and away is to grow closer to God, right? If you look at people that aren't reading the Bible, what is your view of what the bible is number one answer far and away it's a book of morality rules book well now you have a breakdown of understanding what the bible is does the bible have rules laws in it to, that were that are to be obeyed well sure absolutely it says something about how we're to live but it's not primarily a book about what we're supposed to do it's primarily a book about what God has done for us in Christ. And so beginning to kind of break down and kind of show them that their experience with the Bible has not been true to the Bible's message, then you're able to have an openness uh, that would give way to them experiencing the Bible and engaging with it uh, to see Jesus in a different light.
1: That's good. I mean, Rob and I both work with college students pretty regularly. and I think what we've found is a lot what you're saying is, is students just are so even kids who grow up in the church, who profess faith, have this immense disconnection between the, their faith and the scripture. I think a lot of that was Michael said. It's a it's a rule book. Somebody yeah. laid out an outline of what to follow. Here's what you don't do, especially in youth group, because we're trying to keep kids moral. We want to get them saved. But I think there's a morality kind of let's keep them. On the straight and narrow of morality as much as the straight and narrow with jesus um so i think those perceptions are super interesting how do we really sort of begin to go even christian kids your perception of it's wrong and it's just a rule book and it's an experiential sort of relationship text that we can engage with i mean in just the bible study i lead i've got to places and I'm like, you guys don't have any understanding of who Jesus is. So how do how does the Bible help us understand Christ and how can we best communicate that to a generation who seems just to see it as a rule book? Yeah, I think that, I, I think
2: exactly what you said is, is the route I want to go. So I teach at the OU, um, there's a Bible study there on campus at the University of Oklahoma. And just this last week, I took them to John 2 here at the beginning of the semester because I wanted them to see this image of Jesus that uh, he was invited to a wedding. And you know who gets invited to a wedding? Like normal people. Like he wasn't weird, right?
3: Like they wanted him at the <laughs>
2: Not only that, he created non-alcoholic grape juice for everyone to enjoy out of Mm. water. Uh, Southern (laughs) Southern (laughs) Mm.
3: Baptist. And
2: then he goes into the temple, he creates a whip and he drives people out of the temple. And so just kind of trying to upset their paradigm of this like blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus walking around with a lamb on the shoulder, like just real, would never hurt a flea, you know, trying to break that, man, that Sunday school image that you have of Jesus isn't the Jesus of the Bible. and so. I would encourage you to get to know the Jesus of the Bible before you dismiss this book that Jesus himself claims is all about him. He rebuked the Pharisees in John. You search the scriptures because you think that in the scriptures you will have eternal life, but it is these scriptures that testify about me. And so one thing we try and make really clear in the book is you can't, you know, the Pharisees had the law memorized and yet they missed the point. Jesus by saying it is these scriptures that testify about who I am. So if you look at the bible and you don't see jesus you're missing what the bible is pointing to
0: yeah and i do love a good velvet jesus i'm not gonna lie so <laughs> I mean, those are, those well you are. know lauren works for the hobby lobby <laughs> so right. she maybe will hook you up with that give, so. me, a, give me a good yeah. velvet jesus <laughs> Uh, So part of the reason why we started this podcast um, is because Jeff and I, I mean, obviously we're we're Xers, right? We're still into Pearl Jam and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Guns N' Roses or whatever, right? So uh, rock on. But anyway, so, um, but we see a genuine, I think sort of a flip turn for me is as the campus pastor of a Christian university, I do see an enormously genuine passion for God. Like I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't erase that factor. And so I I hear a lot of kind of negative or bad or sort of, you know, external assessments. Oh, this generation doesn't know God. They have no passion or whatever. I just don't think that's true. I think the missing link is, is they don't know the God of the Bible. And so jumping back into this experiential side and the artistic expression of worship and all of those things. And I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, We do that very well here. And so there's that piece of it. But as a campus pastor, how could you kind of coach me or teach me, and I'm, I'm just asking point blank, off the cuff, this is not in your questions, but what advice would you have for me to say, hey, the God you're encountering in those, in those aesthetic, artistic worship moments is the same God of the Bible, but he's much deeper, he's much richer, uh, he's much bigger than, than that experience. And so how can I begin to build a bridge and again, that's part of the reason why we started this podcast. So, so we could have those conversations. How can I build a bridge for these students to get them to engage in scripture?
2: Yeah, go for it,
1: babe.
0: Well, she looks like she's ready to say no, something.
3: I see, no, it just seemed like a question about like ministry, practical ministry, um, which you've done, Michael. Um, yeah, I do. I think that you're right that there, there is a lot of, um, people among our generation and Gen Z that have a real authentic faith. And so that is, you know, we, in, in our research, we did see the, um, percentage, uh, you know, it's a smaller percentage of those who have an authentic faith that are Bible engaged, but there is, it's a strong, uh, strong group of people who are really digging in deep. And so I think the, um, the believers that we know among our generation are believers that want depth. They see that kind of this, yeah, Jesus is cool. Uh, cultural Christianity is not what they want. And so the, the, the people of the this believers that I know that are millennials and Gen Z have, um, a real longing for depth. And so I, it, it's interesting that even in my own church community, I've seen that the younger people have leaned more towards kind of this connectedness with um, um, roots that kind of go back further to a uh, uh, faith among believers prior to us. And so actually like like singing hymns, um, a, a good hymn that has incredibly rich theology uh, is so much more um, inspiring than kind of, you know, the, cool. Like Jesus is neat. Like, wow. Uh, fluffy kind of stuff. And so that's not to say that there's not a time and place for that because that, there are, there are beautiful, uh, modern day songs that do have depth. Um, but there are also some modern day songs that are really like nice and fluffy and don't have a lot of richness. And so I've found that, uh, among millennials that are, they're seeking to grow in their faith and, um want to to know God and and love God well and 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 understand who God is in their lives. they They long for that kind of the deepness and the um, uh, the richness of theology that is integrated into lots of different things, whether that's the the way that the worship service is formatted or the songs that we're singing. And so I think that there is uh, a place for that that uh, is growing among younger people.
0: Yeah. yeah, I would agree. I was in Lexington, Kentucky this summer. I'm finishing up my doctorate at Southern Baptist Theological, but I went to a church in downtown Lexington, and um, I was blown away—just blown away. There was—I uh, went to this huge, old, old church, and it was full. I'm talking like a thousand people full, of mostly young adults, mostly millennials, and some Gen Zs, and they sang three straight hymns. No frills, no fluff, no lights, no haze, no smoke, and the place was packed, and the people were engaged, and that was really one of the first times that I'd experienced that, because um, at that magnitude, and so, um, yeah, that was, that's very keen insight that I think is being proven over and over again, so that's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have an interesting, so in your research with this, and we have technology, and at the tip of our finger and the Bible is completely accessible. Are millennials in Gen Z, are they more apt to read the Bible on the, on the device or are they old school want the paper and the, the hardback cover? I mean, is there anything showing which they prefer or is it just a, an individual kind of choice?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, for it's definitely an individual choice. We, we want to acknowledge uh, in the book and even in this interview uh, that in Not What You Think, where you have to kind of broad brush right like you have to generalize and so there are there is a, a an ever increasing uh, currently uh, use of the bible on a device which we celebrate we think is great uh, at the same time there's obvious research that shows that like it's better like if you can engage with a physical book that it um that you retain better and uh, most how do I say this? This is experiential. This isn't a uh, research based but most millennials I know that are Bible engaged um, do prefer the, the book. Um, and, and that's probably kind of what Lauren's getting to, you know, kind of tapping into, this is how people in the, you know, during the reformation study, the Bible was in book form, you know? And so I, I definitely think that there's something timeless about it and just something tangible about holding it. Um, and as well, the reality is our, our, our devices are so distracting. I mean, they're requiring the way that we are able to focus and have attention. And so um, it's really it can become an obstacle. And I I do think that it's, I, I encourage millennials to read with a, a physical Bible. And I think something that older generations might be surprised about is how much they love that. Um, and how much what Lauren was saying, the authenticity of their faith. I, I wanted to add because I, I know that it's easy for older generations to look at current trends and to be just very discouraged. Sky is falling when it comes to Christianity and faith. And we do not have that view at all. Like we actually, um, I, I think that we, in, we're we not losing as much Christianity as we're losing that cultural Christianity um, where for generations, it's been socially to my advantage to claim to be a Christian, uh, to belong to a church. And that's really good because it pre- creates people, that they're coming into the door and hearing the gospel. But it can also create confusion that, you know, I was baptized as a kid, so I'm, I'm a Christian and I don't have any love for Christ. I don't have any hatred of my sin, but I go to church every week and my parents are Christians. So I actually think that we're we're in a great uh, opportunity, a great moment to clarify the gospel so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that it is obviously different from what we have heard growing up.
1: Yeah. yeah. We had Hayden Shaw on the show. He's a generational expert um, and wrote a book called Generational IQ, said very similar things, said the boomers and the traditionalists, it was, it was socially helpful to claim Christianity in their lifetime. And, yeah. or, and there wasn't an option to say they were a nun. You had to choose something and anytime they took a survey or things like that. Um, so I think that's a valid point that it's not as bad as we think it is. Um, and I feel better about myself being an extra now that you say that, that millennials want to hold the Bible because I have to. Like, I'm <laughs> terrible about the scroll. Like, I get a notification and I'm like chasing some rabbit down Instagram and not read my Bible. So I'm a, I'm a pen and paper and kind of guy. Um, and so, so, Michael, you work for Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Um, how has that impacted sort of people's understanding of Scripture? Yeah.
2: One of the things that we're wanting to do at Museum of the Bible is to orient people um, to the Bible in general, because we know that there are tons of visitors that come in that have not read it, you know, and that's one of the things that excited us about the museum was we did a study as we were getting started to see would people be interested, and we were overwhelmed by the positive response of, yes, I would want to come to a museum to explore the Bible for myself, and so at MOTV, Look at the Bible through three ways. What's the impact the Bible's had on our world? What's the history of how we got this book, how it came to us? And then finally, what's the narrative? What is the story of the Bible? And so, uh, really cool Disney esque, like walkthrough of the Bible, um, Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, and then a New Testament theater, Nazareth, as Jesus would have known it. And so, so it's really fun because you, you were talking earlier about the experience. How do we help, you know? Millennials, Gen Z, uh, anyone today, any skeptic asking questions to experience the Bible, well, part of it can be come to Museum of the Bible, and you get a little a little taste of what the Bible is all about, and especially a pastor, a ministry leader, a, a parent walking through can then use that opportunity to answer questions uh, that that people have about the scripture. I know for, for me, when I was at OU, I shared a story in Not What You Think. There was a professor that shared all the reasons we shouldn't trust the bible and i didn't know where to turn and uh museum of the bible uh is a place that pastors and ministry leaders can go and take their people and uh and show the evidence that we have for the scriptures
1: yeah, i guess we have our next field trip set huh? we're going to oh, dc I'm, yeah yeah oh, museum going, of the bible yeah i haven't michael, been there yet. Us, can we get back like behind the scene passes with
0: michael like <laughs> the secret walkthrough like they do at disney i i wanted to go with rick when he came out last time but i, I never could make the trip so anyway But I'm going to come out. I'm going to come see it. But anyway, so we live in a – the two youngest generations are definitely wanting to do something, you know, for the world, for their community. Uh, They're an activist generation, at least to a point, it seems like. um, So they have a high passion for changing the world. And so this ambition is kind of beginning to shape their view on Scripture. And so how are you seeing millennials and and Gen Zers – Sort of engaging with scripture from a uh, activist point of view. How are they? How are they translating that?
3: Yeah, I I love the the passion that our generation has for wanting to make a difference and um, um, you know re- trying to influence the world for good. And and we see throughout history so many other people who have done incredible things to change culture were motivated by scripture. So you look at the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, he was a reverend. He was someone who was motivated by his theology, um, and his knowledge of what scripture teaches to make a difference, uh, um, and speak to issues of race and has been an incredible influence. And then you think of people, um, like William Wilberforce, again, he and his community of, uh, of fellow uh, influencers were people of faith who were looking to scripture that motivated uh, how they lived their lives and what they were pursuing in terms of wanting to make a difference. And so um, we, we love the passion that our generation has, and we um, are encouraged by that because we, we do feel like there's a great connection there for um, our generation to see the incredible change that has come about by the gift of what scripture is for us and what its teachings are. Uh, for me personally, I look at, so I'm in a PhD program and um, studying kind of issues around human dignity. And the gift that the scripture um, gives us in the Amago Day, the um the, the value of all people that we were created in God's image, each person, uh, is something that you can't find in other worldviews, philosophies, or religions. That is something that is uh, we see in Genesis one, in the beginning of of, of God creating uh, in the first few chapters, and and so I love the um, the truth and the foundation that I find from Scripture that motivates my um, what I'm wanting to do to see change in the world and um, and influencing human dignity for good in our culture. So there's. There's a lot that our generation, I think, can connect to and find um, to be passionate about in terms of what the scripture teaches and how that connects to the, their um, involvement in issues they care about in our world.
1: That's good. That's good. So, I mean, we'll we'll begin to wrap things up. You guys are OU Boomer Sooners. This Imago Day does it translate to OSU Cowboys, or is that like left out? You know. <laughs> Uh, absolutely the Cowboys. Now the Texas
2: Longhorns.
1: Okay, so not so imago yeah, I'm day down in Texas, huh? <laughs> no. Uh, so we want to wrap up. We ask the same question to all of our guests as we conclude. Uh, we are on a college campus, and so we always want to know, what is the greatest lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? <laughs>
3: I think that probably the greatest thing that I learned, so I was in a sorority um, at a secular university. Don't break up was, with your
1: boyfriend a month
2: in. Oh my
3: yeah. gosh, yes, <laughs> that, did, that was our story. That sounded very personal.
1: We'll, we'll tell that story <laughs> off air.
3: No, but I, um, in my, uh, just in the relationships I built on campus um, with people that had really different backgrounds, really different stories, really different worldviews, um, taught me so much and I absolutely loved Um, the growth that I had just from being willing to step out and be, um, you know, rubbing shoulders, building friendships with people that uh, were really, had really different stories than me. And that was something that maybe a lot of people have in their experience before college. But for me, um, going to uh, a large university was one of the first opportunities I got to do that on a large scale and really loved um, the opportunity to just learn to listen well, listen to stories, people's stories well. And I grew so much from that.
2: Yeah, my, mine, mine would be I'd I tease. Lauren broke up with me a year or a month into our freshman year of dating <laughs> high school sweethearts, and so we got back together weeks later. But anyway, the uh, the lesson, um, the, the the big lesson for me was right after we got back together. Um, my my dad, who had been my hero my whole life, uh, left my family and divorced my mom and and. Uh, I had a younger brother at the time, at, still do. Um, he was at the time was in middle school. And so um, it really was a, a season of, of immense pain and confusion and kind of suffering. And uh, James 1 uh, was really dear to me in that time. Consider it your joy when it may face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its works that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And so that idea of, the pain that God was allowing and or like ordaining in my life was actually for my good, was actually to draw me closer to him, uh, was life changing. And that now when when there are seasons of pain that we talk about in the book, you know, struggling through a season of infertility or, or struggling through seasons of, of, of failure professionally or personally or whatever. Um, to come out and realize that this pain is not wasted that it's actually meant to draw me closer to Jesus and so I don't want to waste my pain I want to use it to say how do I get more of him in the midst of my my
1: hurt that's good that's
0: good that's really good well guys you have no idea how much we appreciate you being on the show it's been such a joy to kind of get to have a conversation with you and uh, just to experience part of your journey, even the breakup piece, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> you can call me later. We'll do some counseling if you need it. He's but, cheap. Uh, His counseling me, my, is very cheap. My counseling is very cheap. So, uh, <laughs> but seriously, we loved having you guys on the collectives Co. podcast. podcast. Uh, thank you so much. And how can we stay connected with you on social media or uh, how do we get the book? Those kinds of things.
3: Yeah, we'd love to stay connected. My uh, Twitter and Instagram is Lauren A. McAfee. Um, and you can, uh, yeah, follow us. My website is laurenamcafee.com. So would love to stay in touch with any listeners that want to connect. Yeah, definitely.
2: Please let me know if you're going to Museum of the Bible. Uh, You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Michael McAfee, um, as well, both of our personal sites, an easy kind of tag to get there is lauren.bible or michael.bible. So if you type that in, you'll get to our website. And, uh, and then I think on both of our sites, we have a place where you can go from there to, to get the book, but it's available at Amazon. It's available Hobby Lobby. It's available at, you know, most Christian book distributors. So awesome.
0: awesome. Well, thank you guys so much blessings to you and uh, all your work. And we'll be talking to you soon.
1: As we say at the Collectors Co Podcast, you guys always have a seat at the table. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collectors Co Podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate and review and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders?